Is it just me, Lauren, or did this year really fly by? I mean, how is December almost over? It's not only you, Josh. It's been a big year for creators and a big year for companies that support creators like Jelly Smack. Legit, you guys accomplished a ton from winning awards to expanding your suite of creator solutions. What would you say were your top three favorite Jelly Smack memories of the year? Well, we kicked off this year with our first ever IRL brand campaign that featured creators like Nas Daily, Charles and Melissa, and Patrick Starr. That was an epic way to start 2022. Next would obviously be BidCon because we just did so much while we're there. Your activations there were really cool. But what was your final favorite memory? We won the most innovative company in video from Fast Company. That was a huge accomplishment that we are also proud of. Can't believe it all happened in just the last year. And that's really just only a taste of it, too. If you want to see all of Jelly Smack's biggest happenings and learn how you can get in touch with the global creator company, head on over to blog.jellysmack.com. This week on Creator Upload, a big YouTuber gets acquired, and that's not just a theory. Can you really trust new products from Meta? And someone in YouTube C-Suite gets the AI bug. Welcome to Creator Upload, your creator economy podcast. I am Lauren Schnipper. And I am Joshua Cohen. Lauren. Yes. I'd like to welcome you to the show today. And we're going to be talking about a big shakeup in the tech industry. Martin Kahn, the former CFO of YouTube, has left the company to join an AI startup. What? Wow, Josh, tell me more about it. If you couldn't tell, this was written by an AI, but many of you may be familiar with Martin's work at YouTube, where he played a key role in the company's financial strategy and growth. As CFO, he was responsible for overseeing the company's financial operations and helping to guide its direction. There's more that ChatGPT generated, but I'll just go with the final sentence. We're excited to have Martin on the show today to talk about his decisions to leave YouTube and join the AI startup. We do not have Martin on the show today, but this Uh is a funny prompt from ChatGPT. We should get Martin. Martin Kahn on the show sometime. We should, or just get an AI version of him. Go on. So to say it in my own words, Martin Kahn, CFO of YouTube, been at the company for four years or so. Not that long. He was there and he joined in 2019 and and just became CFO in 2021. So I don't feel like that's that long. Not that long, but represents the latest kind of high level departure from YouTube, our Mm -hmm. big tech company at large, to join whatever is the new hot thing. And he Mm -hmm. has joined AI company Cohere. And Cohere is a Toronto-based company that launched in 2019 and so far has raised $165 million in funding to, quote, help businesses of all sizes better take advantage of language models in the real world, whether through predictive text generation, like in copywriting, or through other functions like search, conversational AI, summarization, and content moderation. This is kind of like and reminiscent of the exodus from big top-tier tech companies to Web3 startups. I think we're going to see a lot more of that in AI as well, except the AI, I think, will obviously have a lot more longevity. Well, I feel like it's like, you know, when you're in these companies and I have I have a little bit of an uh, obviously uh, insight into this, you, you feel like you can't leave until you find something that is like kind of new and different and that almost like the colleagues that like you or will be leaving will think are cool. And so I feel like last year it was about blockchain. And I think I think about, you know, Nick Gruden, who was a VP, longtime VP, head of partnerships, basically, under like first Dan Rose. And I think Marley, Marty Levine later at Facebook, I, I worked for him. And he left for Dapper Labs uh, last year, uh, the serious business of fun and games on the blockchain. And I feel like it's like those kind of people will, they, they're going to leave for like metaverse blockchain. And now it's like AI is the new thing. It's like, that's where th- these people are going to go. Yeah. Jamie Byrne left YouTube last year from his global head of creators position. Ryan Wyatt was the head of YouTube gaming, left to go to Polygon, both in the Web3 space. 
And now I think this is the first of, of many of these we'll see that go to AI. And I was listening to the Pivot podcast and Scott Galloway had a good point where if you look at all of the academic research around different kinds of topics, you can kind of predict mm-hmm. their longevity and how real they are. So if you look at the academic research around blockchain, there's kind of nothing, a huge blip, and then it goes down dramatically fast, almost as fast as it went up. If you look at the academic texts around AI, those have been being generated for like literally decades and mm-hmm. just slowly been ramped up over time. So that shows that it's a potentially more kind of like stable ecosystem and space in which companies and societies can really play around with and thrive. Yeah, I think there's going to be more to come. We'll see. I'm also just like, I, I feel like <laughs> this is going to happen in the economy. And I feel like next year, it's like all these people are going to be getting like jobs in like newspapers. They're going to be like, get me out of <laughs> these newfangled technologies. Take me back to like books. Have you played around with AI yet, Lauren? I don't know how to answer that question because I feel like it's one of those things where like, yes, of course I have because I've used like crazy like AI filters on like apps and things like that. But like, so like, I did not know, but like, I don't necessarily know that I've done it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Can you just get a chat GPT account and mess around with it? Can you just make me a chat GPT account? Okay. And this then... is what I have to deal with, uh, mm-hmm. Creator Upload listeners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we're all aware of what I have to deal with. And so this is, by comparison, very, very, very easy. You can lead Lauren Schnipper to an AI prompt, but you can't get her to type anything in. You really should, over this break, take some time. Away from your do? family to, okay. <laughs> to spend it with an AI bot. What I think really you're doing is spending that space. You know what you need to do? Spend less time with your family. Like, you know what? Don't do not unplug. In fact, plug up, plug it in. All joking aside, spend time with your family over the break. Uh-huh. But then when you're sure. back, spend some time yeah. with AI and these chat GBT and these other visualization protocols and products. I think you'll get a kick out of them. And you're going to be inundated with all this information anyway, because one of your favorite social media platforms, LinkedIn, there's mm-hmm. all these, to quote Lauren, creator economy fuckboys. I, I don't know what you're, I've never said. <laughs> would never, I would never say such a thing. That are writing about all of these AI technologies, protocols, advancements, like uh-huh. every day now. Uh-huh. And especially about the ways in which they think creators are going to have to utilize it in the future to get an edge on their competition, which by and large is true. I mean, in the not so distant future, maybe, I think the people that best are able to utilize AI to leverage themselves in their career and their businesses are going to have a major leg up. Yeah, well, I'm excited to see it. All right, let's get to some bigger stories this week. Um, It's, you know, we're we're ramping down for the holidays, but don't worry. There's some things that are going on. Number one, Game Theorists, started by Stephanie and Matt Patrick, been around for a long time, sold, they sold to Lunar X, the production studio, along with its channels, Game Theorists, Film Theorists, Food Theorists, and GT Live have been acquired by Lunar X. This is huge. So if people know Steph and Matt, they are the hardest working couple in in the creator biz. Uh, I've I've spent some time with them. I've had lunch with Stephanie and they're just incredibly impressive. And it's fair to say, and I think both of them would admit that she's really the brains behind everything that has sort of happened for them. And it's it's really incredible, even though he's very much the face of it. I know they relocated, I think, to where they're from in North Carolina, like a couple of years ago during the pandemic. You know, if you, if you hear him describe it, like, you know, food theorists, for example, is something that they had an idea to do 
2017, it took them three plus years to launch. And he's like, you know, we want to do podcasts, indie games, Netflix shows, all these things. And he's, we want to like build up talent, both our in-house talent and other talent. And we don't have the time to do that. And what I really liked about, you know, and everything they do, they speak to everybody to the top of the intelligence. They talk, they use terms like I work in M&A and they they were using terms, mergers and acquisitions that, you know, people inside the business would, would really only know. But I love that, like, that's how intelligent their audience is and tapped in. And they were just sort of saying like, listen, this is the reality of running this business. Like, not only do I get to sit here on this couch and talk to you, but I've got to do things like contracts and deal with lawyers. And he's like, I did, I do 80 hours of meetings a, a, a month. Like, he's like, it's crazy. And he's like, we need a partner that can help us take some of those kind of, you know, more really less fun, less sexy things off their plate so that they can be creative and add more to that side of their kind of plate. And so the team is intact. He's like, I, you know, they're, they're not going anywhere. I think they're still president or COO and CEO, Stephanie, I think COO. And um, it's very interesting. And then of course he ends up with, of course, a theory that he thinks that many more of these kind of acquisitions of larger proven kind of channels are going to happen in the next, you know, year or so. And I feel like I believe it. And he was saying that he's he knows a lot of creators that are having these conversations. Some have talked about it publicly. Obviously, we talked about Mythical. They, they basically said that they were they were trying to sell in their New York Times article from a couple of weeks ago. So it's really interesting. I'm really excited for them. I think this is just, again, another way we're taking these creators to the next level. And um, I'm very interested to see how this goes. I mean, this I, I don't know much about Lunar X. They're kind of fairly new. Um, and we'll see if they can really bring what they need. Thoughts, Josh? This is the first high profile acquisition of a YouTube channel in a long time. Yeah, in a long time. I think, I mean, the first, would you argue that like Smosh was kind of the first one? I think Smosh was kind of the first one that turned into such a debacle with Defy and the fiasco that went on there that actually Game Theorist was involved in because they were part of that MCN and didn't get paid for a couple months. I remember that. It was really, yeah, I remember them talking. I don't know if they told me or I knew about that. Yeah. And yeah, I'd say Smosh was definitely the first. Phil DeFranco and SourceFed. Had some deals with Discovery and Revision 3 back in the day mm-hmm. where his company was acquired and he was able to get it back. And there's been acquisition of other YouTube channels in the interim for sure, but no one of this stature that's been on the platform for this long that still continues to get this many views. The Game Theory channel was created in August of 2009, has over 3.6 billion views, 16 million subscribers, and 675 uploads to date. And across game theory, food theory, film theory, and GT Live, they're netting north of 60, 70 million views a month in aggregate across all those channels. And also Matt, Pat, and Stephanie, and especially Matt, because he is the voice and sometimes face of all of these entities, is a staple of the creator economy. He's present on stage at a bunch of YouTube events. He was the face of, um, what was it called? Stadium? Stadium? Google Stadia that was awesome and then got deprecated. Yeah, they were like the face of that. They, yeah, they're they, they are like the most brand friendly. They're just, you know, people love working with them. And some of his most popular videos ever are the ones in which they're very meta YouTube. It's him on YouTube talking about changes with YouTube, whether that's praises or gripes or whatever it can be. And I think lots of people are going to look at this and be like, yo, if Matt Pat and Stephanie did this, people who have been trusted for over a decade in this ecosystem, maybe it's time for me to take some of these conversations seriously or look at what I can do here. 
And the Game Theorist brand kind of straddles this interesting type of YouTube channel, where in part it's very creator-driven and very personality-driven, but yeah. also in part kind of faceless. Well, that's interesting because, like, interesting you say that because that was the, that's the one thing that would give me pause with a channel like this is it really does rely on his face. So if, you know, God forbid something happens to Matt Pat, whether it's you know his fault or not, you know, you without him, does this does this company exist? Like without his face? <laughs> his face isn't seen in all the videos. In the vast majority of the videos, it's his voice. But right. his voice has become such a staple of the channel where there definitely will be a shock to the audience if he kind of doesn't voice that anymore. There was some abruptness to his leaving and not some like mm-hmm. prolonged transition. But mm-hmm. there are channels that would never be able to be sold. Eric, Mr. Beast channel, um, Ryan Trahan. Perhaps they could be sold in some capacity or it's part of a larger deal, but these are these people and they need to be front and center at these channels in order for these channels to work, at least for the time being and then kind of the structures that we've seen. Mm-hmm. The easy opportunity really is here for the kind of faceless channels like Kyrgyzstan would be a huge acquisition target. They make a couple of animation videos a month, get several million views on those videos, generally beloved by everyone in the ecosystem because they are well-researched and beautifully done and well put together. And you never see anyone at all. So I definitely agree with Matt and Stephanie's prediction that there is a lot of heat around this area of the creator economy. There's lots of people poking around that still have a lot of dough that are looking to acquire different types of channels, especially perhaps if we're leading into a recession, because then maybe the channel owners might have more appetite to sell to just gain some security. But Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what kind of channels that they acquire and how far into the personality-driven bucket of channels these acquisitions go. I think what's what I always think about is historically, obviously, like kind of pre-YouTube, like what kind of brands out there were, were there that were like personality driven, but like to stood the test of time. And I always think about Martha Stewart. Like, you know, she is somebody, she's a person, she's a name, you know, Oprah. Like there's there's very few though, like beyond that, like I'm sure there's many I'm missing, but like there's not that many that have been able to like build businesses off like essentially one person build empires that, you know, and Martha Stewart, it's almost like a proper noun at this point. You know what I mean? Like it's only like in, in the sense where it's like, I think of her, but I don't, you know, I think of Oprah, I, I think of her, but I kind of don't. And how do, when do you, how do you get to that sort of level? And we have so many more out there now. I mean, you've got like, you know, goop with Jennifer Gwyneth Pouch and all these kind of things. And it's like, how many of these can we have? I don't, I don't, I don't know that there's, there's a limit. It's just, I'm curious as to what end where does this go? Where does this lead? Like, is this going to, you know, because at the end of the day, yes, it's all those things. It's his personality, but it's also not. There's there's a whole industry that he's kind of created in this sort of theorist mindset. So like he's, and that's, I think, probably one of the things he's trying to do. If you think about, if you read between the lines here, having other careers come up under him, having more time to do that so that he can probably become less of the face of it. That's really what this is about. And he probably realized like he can't do that. He can't, it's not sustainable right now for him to kind of do that and do the work that he's doing. So I think that if anything, what we're going to see with like the next phase of theorists is, is a lot less of his face. I, I would I would pretty much guarantee that. For sure. Also, I do like the fact that they sold to this company, Lunar X. Not much is known about Lunar X, but mm-hmm. all other things being equal, if you're just taking a moment to look at this from an audience reaction perspective, I feel like selling to a company that there's very little public information on that you don't know a lot about that you're being told by someone you trust is not going to change a lot 
at least in the near term with anything that you're doing is mm -hmm. probably a breath of fresh air for that audience. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they were being sold to like a Viacom or a big media mm -hmm. company, you might be excited about the possibilities and the collaboration that could occur. But I also think you're worried, again, from an audience perspective, about what mm -hmm. could happen to the channel where there's none of that here. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, congratulations to Matt and Stephanie. Really cool. Really, really cool to see. Up next, really quickly, Meta shutting down Super. Um, so I, I almost forgot about this. And then I was like doing research. So basically Super was their, I think it was like their answer to Cameo. It had several different identities, but then it sort of adjusted it. And it, it was about getting FaceTime with influencers, almost like a meet and greet thing. And so they reportedly paid greatest up to $3,000 to try out Super. And long story short, they're shutting it down. It just makes me think there's so many, there's just the graveyard of products is like, you know, it's kind of my favorite game. It's like audio only products. And I love that newsroom post. And it's like, this is just the beginning when Clubhouse was huge and they lost that and that that's gone. They, and I forgot about, they sunsetted this thing called this students only service called Campus. Then there was the standalone version of the Facebook gaming app. I mean, it just speaks to the larger, you know, preparation that we're all going into the recession and, and shutting down any of these like superfluous kind of um, opportunities for creators. Where at the end of the day, if they're not seeing immediate, fairly immediate results in a scaled way, they're going to get rid of it right now. And I just think what's annoying and, you know, they're saying right now you can you can take some of your videos off of this. But what's hard is that just, you know, when the creator spent or anybody spends time on these kind of other opportunities and then they just go away. I think it's difficult. How is Meta so bad at this? I feel like with this one, it kind of reached a tipping point or crossed over the threshold. Where if you're a creator, you can't trust any type of new feature that they're going to launch for you. And you can't go and say, I'm going to devote a ton of time, energy, and resources into exploring this new feature or different type of format for fear that you're just going to deprecate it and put it in the graveyard in three to nine months. The reason they're so bad at this is because it's the best and worst thing about them is that they throw everything against the wall to see what sticks. It's the still the move fast and break things. So they launch a lot more than say YouTube does. Therefore, they deprecate a lot more than other platforms. And I think that there's good and bad to that. But I think the problem that is it pertains to wanting to put creators first and, and creator in, in, in the lack of understanding of how much energy and time it takes people to create move audiences and build trust, come here, I'm going to do this thing here. And, da, da, and then you've basically alienated your audience. You're like, wait, that thing doesn't exist anymore. And it's like, they don't understand. This is a huge lift for creators. And so they tried to sweeten the pot by giving them money to do it, which sometimes I guess is worth it. And I'm not even sure if I you know what the solution is, because I honestly think it would be a little bit mind numbing to be at a company like YouTube that takes so long to launch things. Although when they do, it feels like their launches go more smoothly because they've taken so long to do it. So I, I don't know what's better or worse. I think the move fast and break things is kind of cool if it's a feature or a button you're putting on the news feed that goes out to millions of people and it kind of doesn't affect those millions of people or even billions of people's daily lives in any meaningful capacity. And you're just doing it to see if this changes behavior and in what ways it changes behavior and is this good or not good. Mm -hmm. And then we can go back to normal after. If you're dealing with types of products that have a direct impact on people's livelihoods and the way that people spend their time as a job, then mm -hmm. I think you don't need to move fast and break things. And you probably need to do the opposite and be a lot more deliberate like YouTube is. 
I know, but, you know, again, it goes back to like growth at all costs for them. Yeah, but that makes sense from an engineering perspective where you're in a room with a bunch of other people and looking at data. It doesn't make sense when you're dealing with real people. I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just telling you, like, this is where it's coming from. No, so. I get it. And I'm saying they, I should mean, I'm just telling you. they should have two rule sets, Lauren. They should have one for engineering. Well, I think that they would argue that they they probably do now. And it's probably why they're deprecating some of this. But it's just, I don't know, it just makes, it just makes me laugh. Moving on. YouTube is in talks with the rights to NFL Sunday ticket, which is a huge deal, you guys. This fact that the NFL is going to be on YouTube. So basically, um, they are in advanced talks, supposedly, to get the exclusive rights to NFL Sunday ticket. Basically, the only like actual water cooler TV watching moments left in the world that will allow football fans to watch most Sunday afternoon games. Uh, right now, I believe DirecTV currently paid $1.5 billion for those um, rights. So this is a big deal. Josh, what do you think about this? Lauren, you're right. DirecTV was paying $1.5 billion a year for Sunday ticket. There's a report from NBC Sports that says YouTube may pay up to $2.5 billion per year for the rights. Talks with Google apparently accelerated after Apple dropped out. Amazon was also involved. However, Amazon supposedly never got close to the amount Google and YouTube would pay. I think if this deal goes through, it could be a huge boon for YouTube and make it worth every penny because then it's just going to drive more people to YouTube TV and then it's going to drive more people to just YouTube in general. There's going to be a way to integrate different types of creators into this ecosystem and with the NFL Sunday ticket. I imagine YouTube and the NFL would collaborate a lot on more creator-driven type of YouTube programming that could kind of buttress this and market it around it, where the NFL has been notoriously strict with its rights. So maybe with this in play, it might loosen that up a little bit, maybe if even only for select creators, which could be cool to see. And then I think this just makes YouTube one step closer to being the everything app. Yeah. I mean, I just think about this. It's like, I I feel like in like not even 10 years, like sooner, like I just think it's not going to be, there's not going to be like traditional media and this, it's all going to just be, they're going to be channels. I mean, they have YouTube TV. There's going to be channels with programmatic, longer form kind of content. There's going to be YouTuber content. There's going to be UGC. It's all just going to kind of live in one place. And it's like, and they're going to be, you're going to go to like YouTube or some like Netflix is going to make their version of that. I mean, it's just all going to be one thing. I don't know. I just think this is all cyclical. And if I just like take a minute and like zoom out and look at this, I'm like, oh, it's like we're still we still have traditional TV. It's just all going to be on one place. Right. And there's going to be a lot of think pieces from creator economy fuckboys that are talking <laughs> about in like three to seven years how YouTube is the core of, I don't know. 50, 60, 70, 80% of all entertainment consumed and how that all of a sudden came to be when over the years they were just incrementally building this up. It's fascinating. We'll see what happens. Very excited to see this. Josh, we have a new sponsor. It is Amaze. That is amazing, Lauren. Who is it? Amaze, Josh. It's Amaze. Amaze is the name of our new sponsor. Oh, now I get it. Well, that is some amazing news. I know. Amaze announced its acquisition of our sponsor, Spring, effectively becoming the newest sponsor of the Creator Upload podcast. So make sure you go check them out at amaze.co. This is a pretty nifty site. It says Amaze is a powerful no-code mobile landing page builder with all the tools you need to create online experiences that convert. They have dynamic selling pages, ad pages, dynamic presentations. 
And look, they even have Lincoln bio pages. It is exciting for sure. Amaze and Springs combined core capabilities will provide brands and creators with an expanded tool set to help them drive success by engaging more authentically with customers, creating products, and merchandising across social spheres. Pairing Springs 5.5 million creator stores with the leadership team's vast social commerce, merchandising, and marketing experience, hailing from the likes of Adobe, Meta, Roblox, and Walmart, Amaze now has the ability to bring even more more value to the creator economy. Thank you, Amaze. Welcome to Creator Upload and check them out at amaze.co. Okay, Josh, quickly some uploads and downloads. I'm going to say, I think it's an upload, but also our favorite Noda magazine. Instagram launches a new tool to help hacked users regain access to their accounts. Instagram.com slash hacked was finally launched today about 10 years after it should have been. <laughs> That's what I would have done as a headline. Anyway, it's an all-in-one support page. You can use it. I mean, like I still, I do not work there. I have not worked there for many years and I get just really annoying DMs about people getting hacked. It's, you know, it's it's a tough problem. You've got a lot of, you know, verifying identification necessary and then people don't want to give their IDs to Facebook, understandably, but how's Facebook supposed to know if it's yours, this and that? Anyway, they're doing it. There's a place to go now, at least. So I guess it's a step in the right direction. Josh, any uploads for you? Does this have anything to do with our interview with Chris Eberly? It's probably directly related. Definitely. It's all because of us. For those of you who don't know that reference, we uh, did an interview with Lauren's friend and great all-around guy, Chris Eberly, who had the Instagram account Ginger and then was accosted in like incredibly dramatic and aggressive fashion to try to hand over uh-huh. that account, which he did not do. Should go back and listen to it. That's a good one. It is. It is. It is. It's true crime, man. It's crazy. Um, Lauren, real quick. Everyone's favorite emotionally manipulative content creator, Darman, who I love actually. His content's great. If you're in a good mood or bad mood and want to go just to either a more aggressive version of that mood, maybe, or maybe it's just <laughs> always turned to like a, a happy, sad place. Go watch a Darman video. I mean, oh, yeah. I dare you to. I dare you to watch that video and then not feel sentimental afterwards. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing what he's built in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. He hosted uh, his first ever live event on December 18th at the Avalon in Los Angeles, where he debuted his film, Unforgettable Christmas, which is a holiday special featuring Joy the Matter and some other big time YouTubers. Looked cool online and congrats him for getting out into the real world too. I was invited. It's not a big deal. I'm just telling you that, like, I'm a big deal. But, like, I just wanted you to know that, like... Thank you. you know, Thank you for letting me know, Lauren. It's great, yeah, but you looked great on the red carpet. Thank you. Thank you. I know I would have, because I would have worn an outfit that wasn't like, yeah. a trash bag. Darman was wearing a, a t-shirt and a Santa hat and ripped jeans, I hear. Uh-huh. No, I have no idea what he's wearing. I'm sure he looked great, though. He's a great guy. Anyway, uh, Josh, I think that's it. I think we did it. Lauren, happy birthday, by the way. Happy birthday to you. For those that don't know Joshua and I have the same birthday. It's not actually the same exact birthday. One of us is a little bit older than the other. And we know who that is, and it is not me. Um, and so, but sounds like based on conversations before we were recording, both of us had a fairly uneventful and slightly <laughs> disappointing now. <laughs> and we'll let you know all about it next week on Creator Upload. Today's show was produced by Lauren Schnipper, me, that's Joshua Cohen, and Carmen Lissette Suarez, edited by Jason King, and original music is by London Bridge, who you can still and always forever check out on Instagram at London Bridge Music. Make sure you subscribe to Creator Upload wherever you listen to this. 
Give us a rating while you're there. Leave us a comment. Hit us up via email at info at creatorupload.com. If you like our show, recommend it to a friend. If you love it, recommend it to just everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.